Hey, who do you think would win a fight? Well, what do you mean? Well, if you and I ever got into like a really serious fight, you know, and the punches started flying, who do you think would win? Well, I think that's pretty obvious. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The bat is dead. Bury it. Fight back! You coward, fight back! You just started a war. Dark fire will not avail you. Flame of Udun! Never give up. Never surrender. We must fight. You've always run away from a fight. Have not? You have so. Have not? You have so. Have not? You have so and you know it. What's up, Who Would Winners, and welcome to episode number 82 of the Who Would Win cast, a podcast that analyzes fictional fights between familiar faces. My name is Steve. The game is afoot. This is Chris. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. I'm excited for this one. This one, this is one I've been, I've been uh, looking forward to all day since we came up with it earlier this <laughs> afternoon. I'm glad you had it to look forward to. Anything else you're looking forward to this week? Uh, I don't know. Chris. Is there anything else afoot? Are you busy Friday? I'm yeah, I'm very busy. You are. What's going on? Yeah, I got I got to go to my best friend's wedding. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a groomsman. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Sorry you're busy. <laughs> no, but uh yeah, this uh this Friday is uh my wedding. Crazy. Big, you big are, day. Um, it's a big day. You are one of the groomsmen that will be standing up there. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, giving some support, which I greatly appreciate. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and it should be a good time. I think it'll be a great time. The uh, the food choices we were talking about them today. They they should be very very good. Can't wait. And uh, yeah, I mean, the cocktail hour is going to be great. I know you're going to love all the food that they have out there. And uh, uh, your your wife Nicole is also in the in the wedding. Basically, a lot of people. Uh, fans of the show probably know. anyone um, we've ever talked about is for this. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, like so Nicole Nicole's in it. Uh, Dan, who has been on the show before, he is the man of honor. Uh, since he and my fiance are twins, um, Mark, who's been on the show before, uh, he actually just got married about two weeks ago, and I was his best man, and he is going to be my best man. Uh, my friend Nick who's been on the show before. Uh, he's also a groomsman. And a couple other friends I think I've probably mentioned. They've never been on the show, but uh, they're also going to be up there. But no one's been on the show as much as you, Chris. You're, you you got that title. <laughs> so I guess you could say I'm the best groomsman. You are the, you are the best. Groomsman. groomsman number one. Groomsman number one. You're the best host. Grooms, groomsman host. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, yeah, so that's going on this Friday, and uh, Lucy, unfortunately, uh, she's going to be there, but she's kind of young to be a flower girl, unfortunately. Yeah, cannot walk. Can't even sit up. Uh, yeah, no, she either. cannot walk. She uh, and she's kind of she can't. Yeah, <laughs> and she's kind of a wild card when it comes to sounds. You never definitely know something's going to happen. She made some new sounds just tonight. Uh, yeah, I saw the video. So it sounds like a, like a like a squeak or a squonk. It's uh, I would I would call it like a yelp. Like a yelp. Okay. Did um did she leave a review of her own Yelp? No. No. No, she doesn't you... know about that stuff yet. No. How how would you review her own Yelp? Uh weird. Not a normal human sound. Could you um recreate it for the folks at home? So I, I don't I don't if someone has headphones on, this could be <laughs> I I'll try. I'm just gonna back away from the microphone a little bit. Okay, fair enough. This is the first time I've heard her make this sound. Okay. <gasps> no, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like that. It's hard to do, actually. I'm not sure how she did it. It sounds like a um, a gasp. Yeah, she made it. Burp. She was like sucking in air. Okay. All right. That, I mean, that's not the worst possible thing that could happen. I mean, she's breathing, which is good, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh boy, that's that's <laughs> funny. Well, uh, hopefully, we have new uh, new sounds coming in the future. When, like some like some words, English words like, would be nice. Like English words would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Now, when she first made that sound, like, were you concerned? Well, it sounded a little bit like she was gasping for air, right. but she was smiling. Like she she just does this for attention. She's a she's a ham. Right. She's just like, hey, look, make sure you're looking at me. Exactly. That's awesome. That's great. I'm happy for you. So do we do we have any uh, past podcast business to get into? We have uh, we have polls. We have uh, uh, movie yeah, so movie have, results. I, yes, I have. Uh, 
one poll result a couple weeks ago. We did uh, who would win a Fort Knox break-in, if you remember. Ah, uh, yes. And we had Swiper the Fox going against Sly Cooper. And uh, we have uh, the, revolts, the results standing as 62% going to Sly Cooper. Oh, boy. And Got some Sly fans. Going to Swiper the Fox. I guess you could say Swiper, no swiping. <laughs> Do you have to say it two more times? Uh, if he's listening, I don't want to mess him up. Oh, okay. What if he's just trying to like put some honey in his tea, and I'm like, he's like, I can't do it now. I'm done. Do you think that applies to anything? Like if he was just grabbing milk out of the fridge? I I don't I don't know if it technically has to be theft or it's just is like anything he picks up with his paws. Right, because like swiping, like you could just swipe something and you don't really mean to yeah. steal it. Yeah, generally it means stealing, it. but I think if you were very like, uh, there's probably some definition that just means grabbing. Right, absolutely. And I don't want to put, I don't want to like ruin his night if he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> he's just getting ready. He has his tea ready to go. He's getting ready to put the honey in. Yeah. Swiper knows why. I don't know why that was my go-to example of like a mild inconvenience. He's swiping honey. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's the the latest poll result we have. Uh, and then, uh, Chris, next order of business, I'm going to kind of chat over to you a little bit here. Uh, Uh-oh. But I'm not we, prepared. We got a review on iTunes. Oh, yeah. I am prepared for that. Yes. I thought you were going to, like, give me something else to do, and I had no clue. Nope. Nope. That's it. <laughs> okay. Um, may I May I read the review? I absolutely think you should read this review. All right. So, uh, this review comes in from the user, I think... I don't know the screenshot you sent me if it's cut off, but I believe the username is Proud Mommy of Two Awesome Boys. Yep, that's it. Okay. Uh, the review reads as follows. My boys, 13 and 11, and I were looking for a new podcast to get us through our cross-country road trip, and we found yours. It is all that we have listened to since. We love the premise, creativity, and execution of your podcast. We frequently pause to banter back and forth with our opinions, and we constantly come up with ideas for new matchups. We are only about 62 episodes in, but we hope to get caught up in real time soon so that we can do the Twitter voting based on argument, not first glance. Honestly, I'm surprised that more people aren't following you. We definitely need to get the word out. Steve and Chris are both knowledgeable and entertaining, and we appreciate how they acknowledge each other's points respectfully. Keep up the great work. You have three new fans from Texas. Also, our vote for our vote is for who would winners over who woodies. Uh, P.S. Even though we are a little behind, late. Congrats on the engagement, Steve, and the new baby, Chris. That was such a great review. So I, I this was like the nicest thing. I re- like it made my day when you sent it to me. I know. I was. I was so. Excited it's like why we make it. this podcast, really. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, these are the types of things that keep us going. And it makes it, like, feel worthwhile that we know that there are people out there listening to yeah, people I, we've never even met before. Thank you so much for taking the time to write this. Uh, what we do. Seriously, absolutely. And, um, I mean, 62 episodes in, i got to give you credit. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I would have stuck with us for 62 I, episodes. I agree. That's impressive. 62. <laughs> That's impressive. They probably skipped a couple when they're like, that one sounds weird. Let's not, let's skip that one. Yeah, I don't know what one of our weirdest ones. Was. Uh, wasn't there one guy who was like made of bees? I wonder if they listened to that one. Oh, that was the uh, the Marvel fight we did. <laughs> it was like Marvel bee villains. Yeah, I forget what that guy's name was. He was like a Nazi who turned himself yeah, into bees. That's right. And I picked the guy who was kind of like the Hulk, but he <laughs> wasn't. Yeah, that was that was. Oh, I learned a lot that a, episode. I got it. It was it was your guy's name was Swarm. Yeah. <laughs> and I my guy's name was Zemnu. <laughs> Well, I wonder if they listened to that one. Because if you saw that in the title and you're like, I don't know these people. Right, exactly. I don't know what they're talking about. But if you took a chance on it, you might have been pleasantly surprised. And you might have learned something new about Nazi bees. But this is basically the perfect review. They 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 discuss the episode among themselves. New ideas. Hey, if you send us your ideas, let us know. That's right. Put it on the show. Uh, so, you send in a review. That means you get a fictional background. That's right. You know it. Or possibly a lucky guess correct background. Because be I don't know. I haven't heard. That's right. We don't know. Actually, one a couple people have responded. I got pretty close. Yeah. That's the Equifax one. <laughs> no, that James Bond one, too, I was close on. Oh, yes. I do remember he that. was basically a secret agent. He really was. So, um, so I 
some things that this stood out to me. So you have, um, a, lot, you have a lot of information to go off of. I do. It's a, it's a yeah. It was a well written review, so I know that there's a a proud mommy and two awesome boys. So right there, I know that there's three people, yep. and I know that the boys are awesome. Yes. Now I didn't need that. I I already had a suspicion because they listened to our podcast. So right, you, they, you didn't need that title, but right. It so what else? What else are we gonna shout out? A cross country road trip. Interesting. Uh, they seem to be intelligent because they frequently will uh banter back and forth among themselves to discuss the matchups. Yeah. Um. Listeners, active listeners, uh, and they're from Texas. That wasn't that. I I don't know. I didn't go off the Texas part of it. But uh, here's what here's what my guess is based off the other information. Okay. So I think that they are a uh, a trio of um basically they go across country solving crimes. They solve crimes crimes and unsolved mysteries. As a as a family, it's basically as like as, a, as like a traveling family crime fighters. Yeah, it, it'd be like it's like a lifetime movie that writes itself. Like honestly, <laughs> if they made a movie of this, I would watch it. Yeah. So you're probably thinking, Chris, that's a random guess, but is it, Steve? Because listen to this: there were no less than seven unsolved mysteries that have gotten solved in 2018. Wow. It's only halfway through the year. Some of these mysteries have been around since. All right, let me let me shout some out at you, Lu- Luis. Petrowis, Petrowis, Petrowis. I don't know how to say her name. 1966, she vanishes. Oh. This year, body found buried in a basement in Southhold, New York. What? Like 60 years later? Yeah. So that that was a cold case, man. It solved this year. And it solved this year. Uh, Mandy Steingasser, last seen in 1993. Uh, also in New York, I believe. Lewiston, New York. Found, her body was found. Uh, someone arrested this year. Ooh. All right, they found the culprit. That's two. That's, that's, uh, that's great. 2018's been a great year. Another girl from 1981. Solved. Uh, 44-year-old... Oh, no. A 1993 year old cold case. Solved this year. Uh, let's see. 1990. Solved this year. Okay, so so we have all these cold cases being solved in 2018, and you think that this well awesome family? Yes. Not only are they being solved after right. years and years of being cold, okay. they're also being solved in states that would be popular to stop at on a road trip. That's right. They said they're on a road trip. So here's here there were there were multiple in New York, mm-hmm. which I mean uh, maybe a road. Maybe, it depends what type of road trip you're doing. Like you might do New York City if you're. But if you're to more of the camping type road trip, maybe some upstate New York. There's right, there's like some nice parks out there. Yep. Uh, Ohio was one of them. Okay. I don't really know what's in Ohio. Sorry, Ohio people. Uh, isn't there? Isn't the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ohio? Oh, uh, that sounds right. Isn't the Baseball Hall of Fame in Ohio too? Uh, no, it's not. Never mind. I lied. Moving on from Ohio, three in California. California is a prime 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 road right trip there. destination. Absolutely, you got you got the redwood forests, you got other national parks, San Francisco, San Diego, Pacific Ocean, right there. Exactly, and then right. uh, one in Washington. That's okay. a cool area, north the Pacific Northwest. Very cool. I've been up there. I've been to uh, Seattle and Vancouver. Loved it. Loved the area. Um. Also, none of these were from Texas because I believe they probably already solved all of the Texas cases. They probably did. They needed more of a challenge. So they've been solving cases in Texas probably for years. I mean, the kids are 11, 13, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I mean, they've probably only been solving cases for a couple of years, right? I mean, right. since they were maybe eight. Probably started off with some Nancy Drew stuff just to kind of wean themselves. When they were, yeah, they worked up to the real cases. Right. But for the last two or three years, they're solving Texas cold cases. Then they're like, uh, they ran out of stuff to do, so they're like, well, family road trip, solve some mysteries on the way. Now, we can also probably assume, I mean, Chris, it is summertime, so these these two awesome boys are probably on summer vacation. Yeah, they probably planned to do the mystery solving on summer vacation. Absolutely. They needed something to do. They needed to keep busy, and what better way to keep busy than traveling the country and solving cold case crimes? I I think I might be right on this one. I think I think you have it. I think you, I think you hit the nail with the hammer there. Is that an expression, Steve? I'm starting it now. You hit the nail with the hammer. It's supposed to be hit the nail, or hit the nail on the head. I've heard that one. 
No, I'm starting to na- hit the nail with the hammer because there are some people out there that hit the nails with other things. And I've hit nails with nail. other things. I mean, you can. The hammer was like five feet away. I didn't need to reach for it. I'll hit it with this uh, wrench. But next time you go for the wrench, think about me saying, Chris, hit the nail with the hammer. I will definitely not forget that, Steve. Thanks. So um, thank you so much, Proud Mommy of Two Awesome Boys, for... Oh, I also didn't say it was a five-star review. Oh, thank you. Five stars. That. Um, thank you so much for your review. We really, really, really appreciate that. And to any listeners out there who have not done so yet, please leave us a review. I check I check pretty frequently to see if we have any. This is the first one we've gotten since, like, February. So this has been a big, uh, a big drought that we've had there for reviews. So... Um, but yes, thank you so much. And the more reviews we get, the more the word can spread. So that way other people can hear about us and hopefully other people can kind of do the same thing. You know, have little fun debates with their with their loved ones when they listen to our show. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Chris, you ready to get started today? I'm ready, Steve. All right. So please remember, if you have any ideas for any future matchups or scenarios, or if you'd just like to say hello, you can reach us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail. You can also subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes or through our RSS feed on Podbean. Chris, what are we talking about today? Well, in honor of your wedding, we are going to pitch some uh, fictional best men. Yes. Which fictional character would be the best best man? Exactly. And how they might have to handle some of the stressful, unexpected uh, events that might happen. Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff can go wrong at a wedding. Absolutely, tons of stuff. I don't mean to scare you, but so you know. I want to give. I just want to give a quick shout out here uh, to a fan of the show, Austin. Uh, Austin actually suggested this idea for the uh, episode. He did. He did. I was I was sitting down the other day and I could not think of an episode. I knew I wanted to do something, you know, possibly wedding related. And uh, Ali said, "Why don't you text Austin? He, you know, he he comes up with some pretty funny ideas." So I was like, "All right." So I texted Austin, and he. You know, sent a whole list of things, and this was one of them. And I thought, oh, that'd be really funny. So I'm going to give a shout-out to fan of the show, Austin, for uh, suggesting this episode today. I thought you came up with this on your own earlier. I came up with the idea of the having to deal with events that might happen. Oh, that's okay. All right, good. You get some credit for that, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take 50% of it. Did Austin get a wedding invite because he thought of this idea? Uh, Austin was invited to the wedding, actually, believe it or not. But Austin, I believe it. He's a good guy. Like we've mentioned in the previous show, he has moved out to Los Angeles, and he's actually currently working on a um, UCLA undergrad, or it's either graduate or undergraduate film. So he's a production assistant on that currently. Hey, whatever. I mean, I hope I wish the best for him. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good. So, uh, he's a good guy. He's going to be all right. He'll make it. I know he will. So yeah, so we're going to be talking. Um, who would win, being the best best man? And, best uh, best man. They- Best Best Man, and how they would adapt to the ever-changing scenarios that could occur uh, during the hecticness that is a wedding. Uh, so, uh, Chris, who are you picking in this uh, Best Man? Um, potentially an unconventional pick, but I have chosen Sherlock Holmes. Okay, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Gotta love him. The yes. uh, now, famous which, detective. Are you- are you picking a certain incarnation of Sherlock? Holmes? I mean, if I if you gotta pin me down, I'll say the 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 new the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes. That's the one I'm most familiar with. Okay, but okay. I was gonna try to keep it a little more generic, just in case someone listening hasn't seen the 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 Sherlock series. I feel like the Benedict Cumberbatch does a pretty good job of capturing the essence of the Sir Conan Arthur Conan yes. Doyle character. I think that's a good way to say cap- capturing the essence because it's obviously a modern interpretation. So there's Correct. Many differences, but I think he does capture the essence. That's true. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And then uh, on my side, I will be picking uh, Ethan Hunt, uh, portrayed by Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible film franchise, uh, with the newest one just coming out uh, this past weekend. And you're a big fan, right? You tell me about Mission Impossible all the time. I am like, it's kind of weird, like, I get in, like, moods with movies. Like, if there's, like, a new movie coming out, like, to a franchise, like, I'll get all jazzed up about that franchise again. So I've always liked the Mission Impossible. Well, I started with the fourth one, uh, which was, like, Ghost Protocol, and that got me introduced. I'm like, wow, this is really good. Um, And then the fifth one came out, and then I watched, like, one through three, and, like, I kind of, like, forgot about it. And then the new one came out, and it's supposed to be, like, one of the best action movies of all time. Like, some of the reviews, the 8%. On Rotten Tomatoes, 
and I'm like kind of jazzed for it again. So the other day I rewatched uh, four and five, and it's just it's just so good. Like they're just so so good. So I wanted to do an episode where at least I got to talk about Ethan Hunt for a little bit. So that's why I chose Ethan Hunt, and also I do think he would be a very very good best man to have. Would you would you um, take Tom Cruise as your best man? I, uh, Tom Cruise or Ethan Hunt? <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise. There's a difference there. <laughs> um, yes and no. <laughs> All right, we can talk about that later. Yeah, we can talk about that in a little bit. That's interesting. You you don't even want your own best best man as your best man. Uh, no, I want the actor he portrays. I mean, I want the <laughs> oh, right. Okay, okay. That's true, yeah. Not, maybe not the person himself. All right. But um, anywho, uh, that's what we got. So, Chris, you want to give some background about... Um, I would love nothing less than to give some background about my character, Sherlock Holmes. Got it. So, uh, fictional private detective created by British author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle first appeared in 1887. Do you know the first short story he was in, Steve? Wasn't it uh, A Study in Scarlet? That is correct. A Study in Scarlet. Nice job. Did you read that when it came out in 1887? Uh, No, I just waited for the audible. That was a good idea. <laughs> um, I, it wasn't um, quite an instant success, but it became popular like pretty quickly. He he appeared in another series of short stories in uh, the Strand magazine, beginning with a scandal in Bohemia in 1891, and then then he was basically super popular. Um, appeared in more titles until tw- 1927 when he was uh, he's he had four novels and 56 short stories. All but one were set in Victorian or Edwardian eras, like we were saying. So the the new Sherlock uh, is is a definitely a modern interpretation of it. Right. Um, usually narrated by by his uh, friend and biographer, Doctor Watson. Mm-hmm. They kind of make him writing a blog in the new one. It's kind of a nice little yeah, update. Nice modern. Yeah. Uh, lives at two twenty one B Baker Street in London. Famous address. It's good trivia if you know Sherlock Holmes' address. Um. Listed by Guinness World Record as the most portrayed movie character in history. I believe that. I mean, he's been around a long time. He he's still kicking. I mean, there's there's yeah. still doing the show, and I know Robert Downey Jr. portrayed him. Yes, recently. I know Ian McKellen portrayed in a movie. Yeah, Ian uh, played like an old version of him. Yeah. Then uh, there was also a TV show, like a modern TV show, but I forget the actor who played oh, him. Is that the one that was called Elementary? Yes. Yes, okay, I do remember that one, yes. And, like, Watson was a female yes. in that one. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Um, Kind of funny, Um, some people don't realize Sherlock Holmes is fictional and actually think he's based off a real person. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of surpassed, like, fiction and has kind of become, like, a historical figure in a sense. Like, people always refer back to him. Yeah, that's true. Like in like a hundred years from now, maybe people will think that Harry Potter was like a wizard during the Salem witch trials or something. Yeah, but at least like detective is a real thing. Wizard is not. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, that's true. I see what you're saying. During the Salem witch trials, people might not know. Right. Maybe exactly. they had the Salem wizard trials right after. Right. Um. So basically, Sherlock is like a, a genius detective. Uh. Usually in his incarnations, he has like. He's like somewhere between like uh, a pretentious jerk and just a socially I don't want to say socially inept but just socially unaware maybe like okay. in the mo- the modern Sherlock I think they do a really good job of making him like uh likable. Like Sherlock isn't always even a likable character. Sometimes he's just a jerk cuz he's like right. so smart and he just doesn't want to he doesn't need anyone else. Or does he? Maybe he does. We'll we'll have that. Might we'll talk about that. Um, but so I li- I like the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock a lot because I think he's like see, he's like almost like a, he's secretly a really nice guy. He's definitely not a jerk. He's not no. Um, but that's a as a spectrum that you put your Sherlock Holmes on when you uh do your adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. Right. Um, solved many mysteries. Some famous ones, like you said, A Study in Scarlet. Hounds of Baskerville is a lot one a lot of people know. Yeah. Uh, worked for Scotland Yard. Well, works with Scotland Yard. Sorry, he's a private detective. He's but a private He detective. helps him out. Uh, has a brother, Mycroft. 
And uh, Watson, in addition to being his crime-solving partner, is also a close friend of his. Yes. Um, that's pretty much all I have for background. Do you want me to start into uh, argument stuff, or do you want to do some Ethan Hunt background? Uh, I'll do some Ethan Hunt background, and then we can get into their um, their strengths and why they would be best best man. Sounds good. So, uh, Ethan Hunt, he is a agent for the IMF. Do you know what the IMF stands for, Chris? The International Monetary Fund. That is correct. <laughs> so he works for the International Monetary Fund as an agent who just stares there and looks at cash all day. <laughs> um, do you know what else IMF stands for? Uh, one second. I made fettuccine. <laughs> yes, he's also a cook. Uh, in my front yard. Is that IMFY? Yeah, but you could hyphenate front yard and count it as one. That's true. The MFI, as they also call it. <laughs> All right. What's it stand for for real? I don't know. So um, it stands for the Impossible Mission Force. It's a bit on the nose, don't you think, there? It is. I, so I showed <laughs> Allie uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol last week. And when, like, she didn't know anything about, you know, Mission Impossible. And when they said the Impossible Mission Force, she looks at me and she goes, Really? The impossible mission force, like that's what it's called. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with her on that. I'm like, yes, it is. Uh, so he is a, he's an agent for the impossible mission force, which, like, they never, I can't remember if they go like deep into, like, the bureaucracy of it. Like, they do, they have a secretary, and I'm assuming that's like a cabinet secretary. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but they, they have a whole bunch of agents. But I guess Ethan Hunt is just hands down the best of all the different agents that they have because he's always the one who's chosen to lead the different missions but uh in in, uh, in the six i haven't seen the new one yet but in the the five films that i've seen already they have you know some crazy task that they have to do and it's basically a mission that's impossible and that they are almost i know right yeah. and they're always able to figure out a way to to make the mission a success and uh so shouldn't it be called mission improbable eh, it could be mission unlikely <laughs> mission unlikely mission probably gonna happen and uh they, they have a lot of different ways that they um they accomplish their missions they have uh, like crazy stunt work that they do or they have insane um technological abilities or uh, they always use masks in the movies. Um, like someone pretends to be another person by wearing like a fake mask. And then they always have this dramatic moment where one of the characters like rips it off and you're like kind of like a Scooby-Doo moment. You're mm -hmm. like, oh my God, it was them the whole time. And um, yeah, so Ethan Hunt, he he's um, the leader of this team for the IMF. And he's always, you know, they're doing their, their successful missions. If, if not, there wouldn't six of them there probably would have just been one of them uh in in the third one he does get married um this will this will kind of lead into my argument a little bit um he does get married to a woman named julia and uh something happens with their marriage but they're i think they're still legally married <laughs> that's a that's a weird caveat to have to add to your marriage i i just uh, i just want to just want to make sure that's but was he the best man he was not the best man no oh, it sounds kind of irrelevant to our discussion then well, i mean i guess we can start because that's basically all the background i have on ethan hunt yeah. I'm trying to stay away from anything on the internet because I don't want to know, like, know any spoilers, and I'm afraid if I Google like Ethan Hunt, you know, it'll be like shocking. This happened to Ethan Hunt. And oh yeah, that's why I didn't do any research for my character either. I didn't want to see any spoilers. Yeah. So, anywho, so I mean, you don't have to be married in order to be a best man, but I definitely think that's it true. Helps. I, I think it helps. I think it helps to be at least with like a, a serious relationship because you can offer uh, advice to the groom. Because as a best man, I mean, I, I just was one. I know you, you've been one, right? Weren't you your brother's best man? Uh, no, I was a normal groomsman. Oh, I thought you were. I'm sorry, Chris. No, that's okay. Sorry. He had a good friend that was his best man. Right. But, um, like, I feel like you, you want to have that background because you can offer advice to the groom and, you know, you can kind of relate to the groom and understand things that they're going through. And I think that Ethan Hunt, A, given that he's married, would be able to have uh, good advice for the groom and um, offer some, 
you know, great tips and, and whatnot uh, going forward in their marriage. And, I mean, he would be an awesome person to speak because he's very uh, well-spoken and he has, you know, great stories that he could, I'm sure, talk about with the groom. Because, I mean, most likely you'd think it's someone that also works at the IMF or someone who he's just been friends with the whole his whole life. Um, Did he have a best man in the in the movie wedding? They just had a witness. Okay. Because they they did it really quickly. They were probably in a hurry. They were in a hurry because he never he never told his wife what his real job was, so which added great tension <laughs> to the plot. But yeah, they got married like really really quickly, and then he's like, "Oh, I have to go off for business across the world," and then he left. Sounds like a great start to their marriage. Oh, it even gets better later on. <laughs> But uh, so so I mean, what what what, we, what kind of uh, attributes does Sherlock bring to being a best man? Uh, he has some of the most important best man qualities: loyal. He's a a loyal friend to his best friend John Watson. Mm-hmm. He is uh, observant and intelligent, which is great for um, keeping an eye on things, making sure things are going right. Right. Um, writing a great best man speech. And he actually has been a best man at John's wedding in one of the Sherlock episodes. I was curious if you were going to bring that up because that's actually my favorite Sherlock episode. I, it's a, I really like that one. The only thing I don't like about it is I think the way the killer was killing people was a little bit far fetched. Like, okay. do you remember it? Do you remember? I just, I just remember the first one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a quick like, summary of it sure, so that ahead. people know what we're talking about. So this is in the new BBC Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, series, the third series, episode two, called The Sign of Three. Uh, and I think that's a reference to The Sign of Four, which was an, an old Sherlock episode or something related to old uh, Sherlock. It was an old, uh, Sherlock story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is, this is Sherlock being best man at John Watson's wedding. He's getting married to Mary, who he, I forget how they met. She's an interesting character that I think Sherlock fans have mixed feelings on, but yeah. that's not important to this episode. Um, so he's the best man, and then, wouldn't you know it, uncovers uh, a murder plot going on during the wedding. Which is which is pretty cool. I think it's really cool. So also, he gives a best man speech, and I thought it was just a really nice speech, because he kind of acknowledges, like, kind of what a jerk he can be sometimes, uh-huh. but how John was still always a good friend to him, and like... Now, how long do you think a good best man speech should be? <laughs> uh five minutes i i wholeheartedly agree i think that's a great amount of time how long do you think sherlock's best man speech was so there is an important thing to remember in that speech steve it was quite long but say it's probably the length of the episode he was he needed to stall for time okay to prevent the murderer from having a chance to murder okay which he actually wasn't even able to do because of the way this so anyway so he didn't even accomplish his mission. Uh, well, he did save the person from being murdered and caught the bad guy. So I, th- I would say mission accomplished. He just didn't stop the, the, the victim from being stabbed, but he stopped him from dying. Okay. So anyway, to stall for time, Sherlock realizes something's, something's afoot. He's got to stall. He's got to check out the crowd. He's got to do his Sherlock thing where he like, analyzes you and figures out everything about you mm-hmm. and also it always bugged me that sherlock holmes must have really good eyesight because he'll like see like a piece of dog hair on someone's shirt and be like oh they have a dog but i'd be like how can you see that from across the room do you have like telescope eyes yeah microscopic. Vision. that was one thing i'm always like oh i can be like sherlock holmes i'll i'll look at people and and saw and you know figure out things about them and then i look at someone i'm like they have clothes on i can't see anything any, there's any normal clothes. There's nothing off, yeah. There's nothing special. Exactly. There's some dirt on his shoe. Maybe he works outside or maybe he just stepped in some maybe dirt. He, maybe he just walked outside, yeah. So anyway, sorry, that was a slight tangent on how I'm jealous of Sherlock, but he's also kinda, a movie character. It was kind of like Sherlock's tangent about how his speech went on for an hour and a half. Well, anyway, that's because, like I said, he had to stall for time. So he told two stories about things him and John did, including a crime that they couldn't solve and when they got... Um, very inebriated on John's bachelor party, which they call stag night in England, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it turns out those two stories were actually related to this current crime. Right. Where uh, someone was trying to murder a, a, like a retired military person. 
Yes. The murderer was trying to get revenge because his brother died uh, under this guy's leadership. Watch. Yep. Uh, basically, he had this plan that he would stab him with a very thin blade, but the belt would like hold his it tight. his military belt would be so tight he he basically the wound would be sealed. Right. And then when he takes his belt off, he would bleed That's to right. death. Right. And no one would realize how he was stabbed because he stabbed it much earlier in the day. So Sherlock figured that out, told the guy, don't take your belt off, and then catches the guy who turned out to be the cameraman because he was very observant. And then they still had a great wedding. There was an attempted murder at the wedding, and everyone still had a great time. I mean, that, that is true. He, I mean, he did he did his job. Do you know what else he did? He played a beautiful violin song that he wrote himself for John's wedding. That's true. That's that's pretty cool. That is that is really nice. That's like think. That's good best man stuff. Yeah. That was a surprise to John, correct? I think so. I think it was. So, I agree. I think he would offer great security to the wedding. And, yep. I mean, the fact that he was able to solve a murder in the middle of it. Yep. And still, everyone had a great night. I think that's a, I think that's a valid argument. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I guess we're done then. We wrap that, this one up. All right, folks. Uh, there's a Twitter <laughs> poll. And... Uh, no, um, so some things I'd want to say, uh, I th- like I mentioned, I think the speech would be too long. Like, even if there wasn't a murder going on, I feel like his speech would just be overly long. It was even was too long. They even acknowledged that in the episode. Like, people were, like, awkwardly, like, looking around, like, wondering why he was still talking. It right. was definitely and- too long. But he knew that. He had to go longer than he meant to. He didn't mean for it to be that long. That's true. I mean, as a groom, I think that it would be very embarrassing having your best man going on for that long. Like, I feel like Watson should have gotten up and be like, all right, Sherlock, like you need to, you need to sit down and you need to get over with it, which is, which is embarrassing. I mean, that's not what you want on your wedding day to have to watch your friend from making a fool of himself and in turn embarrassing you in front of all your family and friends. And I think that, that can kind of go into my argument against Sherlock. I feel like he's just too much of a wild card. Cause like, you know what you're going to get, but at the same time, you don't know what you're going to get with Sherlock. Like, uh, in the episode, uh, The Last Vow, which is episode three of series three. Um, so the episode after this. this the episode after this. Uh, Sherlock is doing investigation, uh, and he goes undercover in, like, a crack house. And, like, he becomes, like, a drug addict. He doesn't like, really do drugs. Was that? Was he really doing drugs in this one? I'm pretty sure he if it wasn't this one, there was one episode where I, I'm pretty sure he did drugs. So the character of Sherlock, not necessarily the Benedict Cumberbatch one, like frequently does drugs. Yes. But uh, so, they've been. I think they've been kind of careful with it in this series. Right. Exactly. And with with that being kind of like a defining characteristic of Sherlock. I mean, wait, wait. What are you saying is a defining characteristic of him? His drug usage. He, that. Uh... Okay, all right, continue. I feel like that's something that's too much of a wild card when it comes to a, to a best man. Like, you really don't know if he's going to be capable of uh, maintaining his uh, person. I don't want to say persona, like physique, whatnot, because he's 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 like doing drugs, and you wouldn't want him it's to. Not, show he's not doing them every day. He's not like you know. He's not going to be doing them during the wedding. He might do it. He might do it before the wedding. And, and Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't really do that, as far as we know, except maybe to go undercover in this. Now, in... I mean, Chris, I don't want to talk badly about the areas that we live in because I love living in Southern New Jersey. But I mean, just like the rest of the country, there's a really bad opioid epidemic going on, and I feel like Sherlock, if he was a like a real person and around today, like he would want to try to solve those problems, and if he was. In southern New Jersey, where there's a big opioid crisis, I feel like he would want to try to help out. And the way he would help out would be going undercover as an opioid user. And if he's fully committed to this, I mean, he could be doing that on the wedding day. You really have no idea. I'll, I mean, you could make that argument. I think it makes no sense. That's, <laughs> he's not that dumb. Let's hear, let's hear what you have for Ethan Hunt, Steve. So, uh, Ethan Hunt, in terms of, like, so you brought up a good point that Sherlock adds great security because he's able to, like, read people instantly. And yes. And he could tell, like, if they're sweating 
like bullets or if they're hiding something or anything along those lines. And he is, is like moderately skilled physically. Like, oh, he's like very. I think he was like trained in hand to hand combat. The Benedict Cumberbatch one. I don't know if the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know, but they like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock was like very physical. He was fighting yes. people all the time. Right. Exactly. So I would just I think Benedict Cumberbatch has like a moderate level. Yeah. So um. So Tom Cruise. One one invention or tech piece of technology that the IMF has is it's a contact lens that you can wear, and it instantly like scans people's faces and can tell you if there's anybody who's like on a registered uh, watch list for any dangerous uh, reasons. So with him standing up there next to the groom, he's gonna be looking at, at the entire audience, everyone who's there for the ceremony, and if he's looking at all of them and his eye contact is doing all the re- uh, the scans of all the people's faces, I mean he would be able to instantly tell which people could be an immediate threat. And if need be, uh, he could get that person taken out. He might cause a distraction, which might... Uh, when you say taken out... I'm going to say removed. I'm okay. Not taking, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying murdered. I'm, in, in this instance, I'm just saying removed from the ceremony. You know, he might run over and, you know, and say, oh, excuse me, sir, um, you know, someone's, someone's calling for you and whatnot. You need to come outside just to get him out of the... Out of the ceremony. Oh, that's a good. That's a good cover story. Someone's exactly. calling for you. Calling for you. What exactly. if they say, "Why didn't they call my cell phone?" Or you could say, "Like your car's been hit." <laughs> okay. Okay. So basically, a massive invasion of all your guests' privacy. Got it. This isn't really an invasion of privacy. It's just videotaping knowing... and taking pictures of all their faces. No, you're not taking pictures of the faces. You're just scanning their faces and seeing if they come up on a like a violent watch list or something so you're telling me they're not also saving a picture of this face just in case they need it later no i'm sure the picture's already been taken beforehand by that's that's the government's problem that's not that's not tom cruise's problem i guess you can talk to the government about that one they're the one has a whole database of everybody's faces okay sorry keep going that's okay so i think he would offer great security uh i think he'd also um like i said offer a great best man speech and uh, he would offer great stories to times that they had with the groom. And, I mean, Ethan Hunt is very, like, personable. He's very loyal, like you mentioned with Sherlock. And I think that he would, um, you know, get the crowd going. And he's very likable, and he is uh, funny and comedic as well. And well. Are these serious? Do you have anything to back these up, or are you just saying all this stuff? No, I mean, I, I'm, if you, you can watch... Like he has, he has great one-liners. I was gonna say, what's he like? Just a one-liner guy? Uh, he has one-liners, but when it's 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 when it's coming from people he works with who might not be that smart, or they're 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 saying things that are blatantly obvious, and he just says the one-liner because he's like, all right, really, that this is what I'm gonna have to say right now. So if he was with another smarter person, he would tell a more complicated joke. Is that what you're saying? We could, or he'd make a better quote. <laughs> He might. Okay. Do you know any of his one-liners off the top of your head? Can you give us any examples? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're, pro- we're probably going to have to bleep this out uh, for the listeners at home. But um, so in we'll the just Mission say bleep, so I don't have to bleep it in the editing. That's fine. <laughs> um, in Mission Possible Ghost Protocol, he has to um, scale the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world in Dubai. And at one part, he has to scale down the building. And he has like a fire hose tied to him as he's running down the building, and he has to get to the point a couple uh, stories below him where they cut a hole out of the, the window, and he has to get back in. So he's climbing down with the fire hose attached to him, and he gets to the point where the, the hose runs out of slack. And Tom Cruise is, is standing there, and he's looking down. And he's like, "I don't have enough to get down there." And Jeremy Renner's character looks up and he says, "Your line's not long enough." And Tom Cruise looks at him. and He goes, "No bleep," but uh, it, it, it's a it's a great one liner. You know, it, it, it hits home the message, and it's him showing that he's able to accomplish the mission, even though it might be impossible. <laughs> that was a that was a weird. I don't know. I feel like that's a weird one liner. It's pretty. It's I not mean, even I'm a pun. Doing, I'm not doing it justice. He didn't even say like you're fired. I never said it was. I never said it was a pun. I'm just saying it's one liner. I, I guess when I think of one liners, I think of like. Arnold Schwarzenegger puns because he would have been like he would have like thrown the fire hose at someone and said you're fired <laughs> I mean at the end of that movie oh you know what he should wait did he he should have said I'm I'm hosed 
That would have made more sense. Chris, I'm really glad you didn't write that movie. <laughs> yeah, they keep asking me to write um, Mission Impossible movies, and I'm like, no, sorry, guys, I'm working on something on my own. You ever hear of Pine Hill Mobile Court? <laughs> you will. We're in production. But another, another. Uh, I guess this would be a corny line he says. Uh, towards the end of the movie, the fourth one, he has to like hit a button, and by hitting the button right before it hits zero, it's going to stop a nuclear bomb from going off. Classic, yep. So, Yep, classic. So he raises his fist and he goes, "Mission accomplished!" And then he smacks the suitcase and it ends and it stops the nuclear bomb from happening. Wow, yep. that sounds like a tense moment. Oh, Chris should have seen it. He should have said right before he hit the button. He should have said, "You're fired," and then hit the button. <laughs> it's a callback to his earlier quote when he with the fire hose. Voice. Yeah, the the Arnold Schwarzenegger that was just for effect. Okay, but uh, I'm a big fan of callbacks when they reference earlier earlier things. That's what he should have done. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you have to look forward to in Mission Impossible Six. That's right. Wait, is that the one that just came out? Yes, it is. I so mean, Mission Impossible Seven. 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 Subtitle right, so let's, so, IMF. So, so let's look let's look at some things that could go wrong on on the wedding day and figure out how the best men would Perfect. react to this error. And try to fix it and rectify it the best that they can. Sounds great. All right. So one thing I found online was DIY do-it-yourself wedding decorations fall apart. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So how would Sherlock handle the situation? Sherlock, he'd use... Let's see. What would he do here? Uh, well... It's a pretty good chance he would use his observation powers to realize they were falling apart before they actually fell apart and been able to say, like, oh, this stitch is improper. You used a, you know, uh, you know, a double half hitch stitch and you should have really used a, you know, full stitch. I'm trying to think of names of stitches. I don't really know any. I mean, you, I, I totally believe <laughs> that those were real stitches. Should have went with the full sheep shank, but he did the double half hitch. Anyway, uh, so he'd look at that and be like, this is a disaster waiting to happen. He probably has a sewing needle on him because he has to repair his, like, jackets because he gets, like, special long coats that he likes to wear. Okay. Uh, whips it out, fixes that. What other types of, like, homemade wedding stuff is there? Like, uh, like centerpieces. Centerpiece, maybe there's a, uh, some type of light, lighted glass thing. Be like, oh, this is, uh, over the rated amperage for this amount of lights. I'll fix that up. Get an extra power strip over here. Now, say like something broke. Yeah, so um, I'm basically relying on... You can't, um, you can't foresee something breaking. I oh, yeah, like a, like a total just like unexpected, like no warning whatsoever. Right, like a vase falls over and just smashes. Throw it away. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just sweep it up. Yeah. What if it was the centerpiece? To uh, the table. Well, it's, it's broken, so too late. Oh, wow. Well, you know what Tom Cruise would do with that happen, Chris? Uh, have a really bad one-liner, like, it broke. He just actually literally describes what happened. Probably. That's what his one-liners were. That's what, that, he just described. I don't like it. You turned me off of Mission Impossible with his bad one-liners. I'm sorry, Chris. What would he do? Uh, he would, uh, probably really quickly get in a car and he would drive uh, like probably like 90 miles an hour like say something broke he would drive like 90 miles an hour to the closest store and he would get whatever supplies needed to get glue he would get and, and like the thing is like as a, a member of the IMF like they are able to take one thing and turn it into a completely different thing in order to make it work for another purpose and he would be able to use those skills to uh, fix any problem. Like if a, if a if a vase broke, he'd be able to like whip up really quickly some like super glue using, I don't know, powdered flour that they have in the kitchen, uh, mixing it with water and adding a boost of electricity to it, and boom, there you go, super glue. And he would be able to. You're gonna get us sued by the super glue people for revealing their secret recipe. Yeah. You know, I, I've I've been out of the business for five years. I thought it was it was time to let the secret out. But, um, you know, if there was ever an emergency where they had to physically, like, get something, like, I don't know, say someone forgot the rings at home, uh, he would he could get on a car, or he could also do what Tom Cruise does and just hi hang on the side of an airplane and parachute and skydive down to get what he needs to get. 
Like, there's nothing holding him back from accomplishing the mission. I mean, that's that's the whole point of him right there. I do I do see your, your argument. I, I think leaving the wedding is the wrong move. I don't think you can abandon the wedding. What if I don't think you, so. As, as the best man, if something goes wrong, you don't think you should you should abandon? Not, I'm not saying, I don't want to say abandon, because abandon sounds like you're leaving because you have something that you're trying to accomplish to to meet your own needs. I don't think, he, I think he can do more good by staying. He shouldn't leave. That's what, that's, that's just my call. Okay. That's my read on the situation. All right. I see what you're saying. And that's fine. That's your opinion. But you have me on transportation. You can definitely get around faster than me. I have to like hail a cab. <laughs> that's how, that's how Sherlock travels. Or he could tell if someone at the wedding is like an Uber driver. <laughs> yeah. Like I saw when your car pulled up, I noticed the Uber sticker on your car, which means you're an Uber driver. So we need you to take me really quickly to Michael's so we can get some super glue. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, Steve, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring some super glue to your wedding now, just in case. You never know. You, you, you Sounds know. like you think it's really important to have at weddings. I don't know. I mean, apparently, uh, so I, I looked at a bunch of links, uh, to see like what are some big, uh, issues that happen at weddings, and one of them were uh, do-it-yourself things falling apart. So that just made me think, like, well, if they just had super glue, would that fix everything? <laughs> I super glue and duct tape. I'm, I'll put, I'll pack it. I'll pack it in my bag. All right, Chris, ready? Uh, another issue that could happen: there's a power outage. Okay. All right. Well, uh, hearkening back to his Victorian um, history heritage. Whips out some candles. <laughs> Candle lit wedding. Actually makes it better. Everyone has fond memories of the dancing in the candlelight. DJ can't play, but luckily he can play the violin. Lights the candles, whips out his violin, plays some, uh, I don't know if he knows any modern, uh, wedding music, but let's say he plays, uh, what are the kids listening to these days? Uh, Kanye West. I don't know something. He plays something on his violin. Okay, you get All the right. idea. I, I, I totally get the idea. Okay, so he could do that for them. I think I, I do think that's a really good choice. My 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 um, solution to the problem might be a little unconventional. Let's hear your unconventional solution. All you know right, I'm so, a fan of unconventional. So so the power's out. We need to keep we need to keep it going. We need to have the lights on. Um, we need to have the music playing still. We don't want this to turn into a night to remember uh, for the wrong reasons. So, uh, do you know what one of the things Tom Cruise is probably most famous for in uh, a lot of his movies, particularly the Mission Impossible movies? Um, is it sliding across a wooden floor in his underwear? No. All right, didn't know. Good guess though. Good guess. That, I mean, that would really. I mean, that would lighten up the party, but not literally. I didn't know if he did that in other movies or not. No. Um, wait, give me one more guess. Um, so something he's known for in Mission Impossible movies. Uh, is it taking, is he, he has a mask on of someone and he rips it okay. off and he says, here's Tommy. That's, uh, that, that is true. He does do, cause his name's Tom Cruise. He does do that a lot. He doesn't say here's Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he runs. Oh yeah, I, I actually I think you showed me a compilation of just Tom Cruise running. Yeah, he just runs. So, like I said, this might be unconventional. They're gonna hook Tom Cruise up to basically like a giant hamster wheel that's just gonna generate all the electricity for the wedding, and Tom Cruise is just not gonna stop. He's just gonna keep going on that hamster wheel. And now this is the thing. You might disagree with this because you think the job of the best man is to be at the at the wedding and to be right next to the groom, and I agree. But the best man is also there to support the groom during this process, during this journey. And if that's what needs to happen in order to keep the wedding going, Ethan Hunt is more than uh, capable and more than happy to just go out and run on a hamster wheel for an hour and a half, two hours, however long it's needed in order to generate power for the wedding venue. Do you know how insane that sounds? Have you... Have you ever seen Tom Cruise run? No, I, I like it though. It's so insane it could just it, might work. I think I think it's definitely possible. I mean, did you did you consider how you would construct this giant hamster wheel? Would you scavenge uh scrap metal? Would you take apart tables? Or did you have anything uh, in mind? So Tom it's it's most likely possible that they have some kind of generators uh at the at the venue. Uh it might not be generators big enough to sustain everything cuz you know they're cheap. 
So I'm sure he'd be able to to take it apart real quick and conduct some or construct some kind of um, like beltway on it, so that way he's able to run on it in order to um, create the, and generate the electricity. That's pretty smart, Tom Cruise. Hey, he does what he has to do. I mean, Ethan Hunt. All right, last one. At weddings, sometimes you have drunk people, a lot of alcohol flowing. How would Sherlock deal with one of the drunk people? Uh, he'd probably just say, sir, you have to leave. Okay. Depending well, how drunk they were. I mean, if they were, like, causing a scene. That's what I'm saying. They're causing a scene. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he, he kicks them out. Does he physically grab them? Does he just say, "Sir, you need to leave"? What if? Uh, he so he's he's kind of a man of words. I think he'd start with start with words, try to kind of dissolve the situation peacefully. Okay. Not not cause a scene, but if need be, I think he could uh, he could put hands on him. Okay. All right, that's what you got to do, I suppose. I I mean, I guess I could just make like a giant hamster wheel or something and put him in that, but. Just have him generate electricity. That's extremely un, unrealistic. So he's got he's got so much energy. That's that's just what he wants to do. Uh, so what I would argue is I would argue the same thing. I would as Ethan Hunt. You don't want him there. You don't want him causing a scene. But the thing is though is that uh, the groom might notice if you know a family member is just gone, especially if they were like blatantly drunk for a while. Like he'd be like, oh, whatever happened to cousin Timmy. Mm-hmm. So. What I would argue is Tom Cruise doesn't want to upset the groom and be like, oh, hey, buddy, just so you know, like, we had to kick him out because he was, you know, blatantly drunk and causing a scene. So what would Tom Cruise do? He would do what Tom Cruise does in every Mission Impossible movie. He's going to wear a mask. He's going to wear a mask as that individual, and he's going to pretend to be that person at the wedding. So that way the groom doesn't think that that person got kicked out, and he's going to kind of, like, Scale it back a little bit. So, like, he's going to act like he's a little drunk, but not, like, over-the-top drunk like the real person was. And after that person has had time to cool down and recollect himself, Tom Cruise will go off into, into the closet, take off the mask. The original person will come back in. Obviously, they'll be flagged, so that way they're not getting any more alcohol. And and the problem solved right then and there. You know, you're, 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 you're diffusing the situation and uh, mission accomplished. I like I like the thought you put into that. I I feel like there's a couple flaws. Okay. What if there's two drunk people at the same time? He can't impersonate more than one person at a time. He's gonna have to pick the one who he feels is uh, most of a danger to the party. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I mean that's that's a judge that's a judgment call right there. I mean he has the tools and the um, intelligence needed to figure out like who is the more uh, blatantly. Uh, drunk individual he could use his magic contact lens to check their uh bac oh absolutely yeah thanks i, I totally forgot that that was a thing in the fifth mission impossible <laughs> well so it sounds like uh, when it comes to uh disguises and hamster wheels you have an edge on me but when it comes to uh violins and heartfelt best man speeches looks like it's sherlock i think you're right chris <laughs> you bring up some good points it just depends on what kind of best man would you want at your it, wedding. You're, at, you're absolutely right. It, it might right. just depend on the type of wedding it is. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, Chris, before we head out of here, do you have any fun facts that you'd like to share or anything? I, I have some some best man fun facts. Oh, cool. I do like you it. happen to know the origin of, the, of groomsmen and the best man? No. So there's a couple different um, possible historical origins. But one um, is thought to have originated with Germanic Goths of the 16th century. Okay. Uh, so this is a time when basically you could kidnap someone and make them marry you. Okay. So the best man was the person that helped you steal your bride from the neighboring community and helped you fight oh, off her family. That's pretty cool. <laughs> or defended your bride from other people trying to steal her. I think. Uh, do, do you think we should bring that back? That tradition? Uh, no, that'd no. be very bad. No, because right. I mean, it'd be cool to have a sword at a wedding, just because I like swords. But I feel like it's a bad idea to have a sword at a wedding. Do, do you want to bring your um, Aragorn sword? No, I wedding? will not get that okayed. That okay. will not happen. 
I mean, I'll give you the okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll run it by Nicole, see what she thinks. Okay. Just in case, I'll tell her about the history of groomsmen and say, I might have to fight someone off. Just just in case. Uh, in some early traditions, groomsmen were called bride's knights because they helped protect her. Okay. Or they assisted in kidnapping her. That sounds like something that they'd have in like a fantasy thing. Like, we're not groomsmen, we're bride's knights. <laughs> it, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. It, it does sound pretty cool. Uh, let's see... Those are most of the. There's a bunch of other like facts, but they're they're not as good. Okay. Do you have any fun uh, facts? So some of my fun facts are just about Tom Cruise as a person because he's kind of an interesting individual. <laughs> uh, he is a uh, believer and supporter of the uh, Church of Scientology. Yes, quite famously. Uh, or quite infamously. Yeah, true. But um. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, like when you said, like, would you want Tom Cruise to be your best man? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but he, he's kind of he's he's kind of like a wild card. You never know what's going to happen with Tom Cruise. You do. You never know what's going to happen with Tom Cruise. Uh, he's been married three times. Most recently, divorced in 2012 from Katie Holmes. He was also married to Nicole Kidman and Mimi Rogers. Um, he also had kind of like a a PR slump in. Like the early 2000s, uh, one of those uh, issues came from the uh, Oprah Couch video. I don't know if you remember seeing that. Oh, I remember seeing it. Yeah, and um, but he's kind of had like a like a renaissance in the past uh, or so. I'd say it probably started with um, Tropic Thunder. I was gonna say Tropic Thunder 2008, and he yeah. he was like people loved him in that. People loved him in that. People he was very like, funny. Tom Cruise is so great in that, and then he's just kind of been on the ball since then. A few missteps, um, like the Mummy remake, because I should have had Brandon Fraser. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, <laughs> go back and check that one out, too. Uh, yeah, he, he's had a couple, but um, he's going to come back and be in the next Top Gun. Um, he's reprising his role as Maverick. Is he the main character, or are they just doing him as like a, like a uh, side character? I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be the main character, because the movie is literally called Top Gun Maverick. Ah, yeah, so, then. Okay. I mean, that'd be calling, like, The Force Awakens, like, Star Wars Luke and him not being in the movie. Well, that's exactly what Ryan Johnson would probably do to subvert your expectations. Ooh. Oh, man. Here we go again. Um, a fun fact. I did not know this until I researched this today. There is a holiday in Japan, and it is celebrated every year on October 10th, and it is called Tom Cruise Day. What? <laughs> yes. He what? has visited He's visited Japan so many times that the country awarded him with his very own holiday. Wow. October 10th. Wow. Well, it's October good, 10th. Good I, for I, him. I don't know. What day is it, October 10th? October 10th. 10 so 10. Get ready, folks. Got it. Uh, Tom Cruise was originally supposed to play Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic <gasps> Universe. That would have changed everything. That would have completely changed everything. And um, he's known for being action junkie and for doing all of his own stunts um like i know for this mission impossible he learned how to fly a helicopter and he also uh, does a real barrel roll in the helicopter in this movie he also did like a halo jump which is a high altitude low opening skydiving jump uh in the fifth one he held his breath underwater for six minutes wow yeah. he's dedicated he's very dedicated He's like the Daniel Day-Lewis of action movies. I, that is that is perfect. That is the perfect way to describe <laughs> Tom, uh, Tom Cruise. Um, let's see. Oh, and uh, I'll, I'll end with this. Everyone knows the risky business uh, you, scene when he was in his underpants. Yes. That you alluded to earlier. Uh, all of his dance moves in that movie were completely improvised. I believe that. He was just kind of having fun with it and just and just going for it. Which, when you watch it and you know that, you're like, eh, kind of makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick sidebar. Favorite Tom Cruise movie? Do you have a favorite? All right, I'll be honest. I really haven't seen that many Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, I probably haven't either. I've seen I've seen a few Good Men. I've seen Top Gun, uh, the Mission Impossible's. Would you count Tropic Thunder as a Tom Cruise movie or no? Yeah, it would probably. I mean, he's not a main character. Um. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow is really good. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I have not. 
That one's really good, and I really want to see Minority Report. It's a Steve movie from like 2000. Yes, yeah, I remember that. I never saw I that either. I've seen it. I've just heard really, really good things about it, and I, I really want to give it a chance. He's also, I think, in a movie called Cocktail, where he plays a bartender. Oh, okay. Do you have a favorite Tom Cruise movie? Mm, I don't know. I really do like Tropic Thunder. I think A Few Good Men's a really good movie. They're doing a live um, TV show adaptation, or not TV show, but live TV broadcast adaptation of that. Of A Few Good Men, huh? Yes. I think it comes out this winter, if I'm not mistaken. That could be interesting. Yeah. I don't know um, who's, who's going to be in it, though. I have no idea. So, um, so yeah, so two best men. Who would be the best? Best man. Best, best man. Best, best man. Um, between Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt and Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes. I'm glad we were uh, able to get this one done. I was looking forward to it all day. Me too. I'm curious to see what people thought. Absolutely. Um, so, speaking of that, there will be a Twitter poll where you can vote for who you think would win between Tom Cruise and or t- Ethan Hunt and Sherlock Holmes as being the best best man Chris anything you want to add before we head out of here um no I do not think so Steve awesome well uh Chris I will probably see you before uh the wedding well I should see you before you'll definitely see me uh on Thursday the night before the day before and the dinner and whatnot so but I want to thank you for being part of the special day Chris and uh it means a lot to both me and Allie that you will be uh standing up there on that day and uh, having a good time later on. Thank you, Steve. Absolutely. Uh, so, everyone, we I hope you enjoyed this episode. We both hope you enjoyed this episode. And um, please remember, like we mentioned, uh, if you have not left us a review on iTunes, leave it there. It really helps spread the word about the show because I think the more reviews the show gets, the higher it gets on iTunes and more people will be able to find us. And that would be great if we can just uh, get the community to, to grow together and have more listeners. We're coming up on 20,000 downloads, Chris. We're only like 800 oh, away. We should have a big 20,000 download party. We really should. Kind of like in Facebook. Remember in the movie, The Social Network? Yes. Yeah. They have like the countdown for a million users or whatever it is. Yeah. Countdown to 20,000 downloads. All right. So please remember, as always, to subscribe, follow, and rate, and please continue to participate in our show. For the Who Would Win cast, this has been Steve. And this has been Chris. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. You actually said that out loud. Mission accomplished. I said it. You're still corny, Ethan. The Who Would Win cast is not endorsed by any film or television production companies and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Any and all audio clips are not owned by the Who Would Win cast, and all rights are reserved by the respective copyright holders.